Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, welcome to the UK Tech Weekly Podcast. It's Friday, the weather is horrible, but it's okay because I'm tucked up in a cosy pod with Henry Burrell. Morning. And Scott Carey. Hello. To talk about the good and the bad of the week's technology news. Um, Scott, why don't we start with you? What's going on at Google? Yeah, we'll start with the bad. And and I mean, it is, it is really bad. Uh, this story broke in the New York Times uh yesterday late in the uk it would have been in the morning um or in the afternoon over in the us uh and basically it's a it's a wide-ranging um investigation into what's been going on over at google um the headline basically focuses on um andy rubin who is a an exec an ex-executive at google he is basically the founder the creator of the android operating system we'll come back to that point but yeah (laughs) Um, and he's in, explain to the listeners why yeah. he is important. So um, his company was acquired by Google uh, and he then basically uh, built up the Android operating system there and uh, embedded it into 80% of the world's phones. Um, so he was a highly powerful executive at the company um, who very quickly rose through the ranks and um, was, was paid a lot of money while he was there. Uh, the Times has now revealed that um, during his time at Google, he was involved in various uh, incidents of sexual misconduct with uh, fellow employees uh, and basically was um, it was hushed up and he was paid uh, a 90 million dollar severance package and given a bit of a hero's send off by the founders um, and, and allowed to kind of ride off into the sunset without any of this coming out at the time. And that was in um, 2014, so that was four years <clears throat> ago. But more recently than this story, right, it was uh, revealed that he had acted inappropriately. Yeah, so the information um, reported that uh, his um, departure from the company wasn't quite as rosy as it was made out to be. Um, they um, clearly weren't able to get um, the, the facts they needed to report what actually had occurred. Um, but they they did report that he uh, left um, because of some accusations of sexual misconduct um, while at the company um, and was still paid off and it was all hushed up. So the position we're in at the moment is that these are all accusations, right? These are all accusations. So yeah, it's it's, um, important for me to say that he has responded to the New York Times story saying that it contains numerous inaccuracies. Um, He said that he... So the accusation against him was um, quite similar to the Weinstein accusations in that he um, 
a ex uh, colleague of his said that um, she was coerced into having sex with him in a hotel room. Um, he says these are false allegations and they are part of a smear campaign by my ex-wife to disparage me during a divorce and custody battle. Uh, a divorce battle which I assume is worth many, many millions of dollars. Yeah, God. Um, so is it... I, I don't know which side I'm going to eventually fall down in this in this case, but um, is it is it fair to say innocent until proven guilty and they were right to give him his money if it hasn't been proven yet where, where do you stand on that well the the, the rest of the piece is um is far wider ranging than just andy rubin um it talks about um the kind of the early days of google where larry page actually dated marissa mayer when she was a young um engineer at the company um Sergi Brin also has been accused of um, having relationships with fellow employees. Um, and then um, David Drummond, who's their chief legal officer, um, it also came out that he was having an extramarital relationship with um, a fellow member of the legal team over at Google. Uh, the head of search um, also was, um, it, they, he's been accused of um, sexual um, malpractice, basically, during uh, his time at the company before he left and was paid off a huge amount of money. So what it kind of paints a picture of is a company that is um, permissive to uh, relationships between employees, and whether that that is um, whether that is acceptable or not is kind of down to the listener. Um, but it, it's it definitely paints a picture of a culture where that was acceptable, um, and that and that then creates the possibility for more clearly defined misconduct, as as we are starting to see. Yeah. So. Um, it's, I think the the thing to take away from this is is a the the culture um, aspect of it, but but b um, there were some kind of striking statistics that that Google came out to kind of defend themselves, but I think they kind of ended up shooting themselves in <clears throat> the yeah, foot. I don't know how I feel about this tactic. <laughs> yeah, they came out and they were like, "Look, we have a zero tolerance policy towards um, uh, allegations of uh, sexual misconduct within the company, and over the last two years, we have." severed 48 people from the company without pay and it's like well Well 48 people in two years probably suggests that you've got a culture problem yeah and that doesn't excuse the fact that you also paid off one person 90 million (laughs) dollars yeah to put that in context um they actually got the details or claimed the new york times claimed to have got the details of that uh severance package and apparently it was done in a way where he was getting paid 2.1 million dollars a month into his bank account for the last four years and his final payment is about to come in yeah he was also he was uh there is also in this piece um a line about uh him going to google and asking for 14 million dollar loan so that he could buy a beachfront property in japan that was given at one percent interest rate (laughs) from the company (laughs) Uh, he basically was given a bonus um, after these accusations were um, brought internally. So internally, the company were aware of these accusations, but they still upped his bonus to $80 million one year um, with the um, CEO saying that he deserved to be better compensated for his work um, on Android. One thing that that struck out me on this article is that there was one year when he was caught with with sex videos on his computer. Bondage sex videos. Bondage sex videos. Thank you for clarifying that um salacious detail need not go unmentioned it's very good um (laughs) and i think many people would expect to be fired for that or and he it's a red flag his um his bonus he still got a bonus that year it was just smaller yeah they they docked docked his his bonus bonus. (laughs) (laughs) they still got a bonus and certainly didn't get fired and one would think that might have been a red flag to future 
misconduct, I guess. There, there's a couple of questions I have immediately, uh, and I don't know how big or small they are, but one is... Um, so one of them, who is Andy Rubin? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, yeah, we can talk more about that, um, but one of them is, why has it come out now? And the other one is, why would they willingly pay $90 million that apparently they had no legal requirement to pay? That seems like sort of a waste of $90 million they could have spent on something else. Uh, I don't know, have you, you have any thoughts on those two questions? Uh, the first question, um, I believe the answer is that um, the, it's it's the moment we are living in. It's the Me Too uh, effect. Um, okay. So the yeah. investigation into these allegations by um, the New York Times, who, who have been really front and centre on a lot of the Me Too coverage, um, I think uh, people are starting to feel a little bit more empowered to um, come out with these accusations and to go to the press and to actually um, kind of make them concrete whereas in the past uh, they would have felt um, that these accusations wouldn't have been taken seriously and for good reason because it looks mm. like the HR department at Google um, were, were quite happy kind of um, brushing them under the carpet. Uh, there was an interesting line from, let me try and find it, from um, Stacey Sullivan who was, no not Stacey Sullivan sorry, um, it was the uh, the legal, the part of the legal team. And she basically said, I felt like I was the liability because she went to Alphabet with the accusations against David Drummond, who was the chief legal officer. Um, and they basically came back and said, we take these uh, accusations seriously. We believe that these uh, relationships between people in management and people in their teams, whether it's direct or not direct, are inappropriate. And what she said was basically the um, what they were essentially saying to her was, one of you is going to have to leave and it's in no way going to be the mm. man the senior yeah. man um, and that that kind of gets to the crux of the problem here mm. in terms of bringing these accusations because women tend to fear that their uh, career will be at risk if they bring these accusations out in public and and for good reason because that's what happens she actually yeah. lost her position at google well they regard it as a pr problem mm -hmm. and so they respond with confidentiality agreements and well that's the one thing that the me too yeah me too has really brought that to the fore that hr is actually not there for employees it's there to protect the company yeah um, your second question um, was why pay him ninety uh, million dollars, and I, th I think that comes down to the way that Google operates. Google is um, has always been generous at paying its executives, and I believe that um, the uh, the founders uh, of the company probably uh, believe that he he had earned that money for what he had done at Android, and and I think they um, they might not have been aware of the allegations. They might have um, been okay just separating compartmentalizing those two parts of his personality the fact that he was obviously a brilliant executive that did a lot of good work um to bring android to to a lot of people and made the company tons of money in the mobile ad market um and and they felt felt they deserved 90 million dollars regardless um there's no way to know how aware they were and how mm. happy they were to kind of morally separate those two um those two things so there is a question whether anybody deserves 90 million dollars it's also um, worth noting that since that severance package, uh, in what year? 2014? 2014, but then paid over four years. Paid over that time. Since then, Google also helped fund Andy Rubin's Essential Phone project, Yeah. where he left and created what he thought would be like a really great competitor to Google, mainly. Yeah, um, they also basically gave him a blank check to start up a robotics division within Google X Yeah. Um, after he um, stepped down. Uh, basically, when they merged uh, the... Android and Chrome divisions, Sundar Pichai won the power battle, uh, who is now the CEO. Um, so he decided to kind of go in a different direction and, and do a robotics thing over at Google X, which is their like moonshot department. And they gave him $90 million to, to do that. And then he left and then he set up Essential and a venture capitalist firm and Google invested in both of those, I believe. So 
he, he's done well out of Google, including his 14 million um, beachfront property in Japan. And at some point they must have become aware on a corporate level of what he was accused of. And he, I mean, the company if, were know, aware. The accusations were brought to HR. It's whether HR um, try and protect the, higher executives, the yeah. executives from this. There are some cultural questions here. Um, Many. You alluded to briefly, um, but a couple that spring to my mind are, one is the, um, is, is the question of when you start off, when you start up rather, and you have a small sort of piratical mm-hmm. um, company culture, uh, it's very difficult for a company to move from that to being one of the largest uh, valued companies in the world. Developing sort of corporate responsibility and corporate practices. How how can companies do that? How can companies go from this? Oh, well, there's only ten of us, and we're you know a bunch of lads in Silicon Valley, yeah. and we all date the people we work with because we are only at work. And I get yeah. that. I understand that. Yeah. That's human nature. Like if you're spending huge amounts of pe- uh, t- time with certain people. Um, it's not surprising that that uh, Marissa Mayer had a relationship with with one of the founders because they were probably one of the first sixty people there, and they were working all day, yeah. and they were, um, you know, living the high life, and they were both single at the time. But then, yeah, how do you transition that culture to to something that is a bit safer over time? Um, but, it, but it isn't just. Uh, I'm not just speaking to sort of um, a sexual culture, but also sort of a wider thing of like the way the way that we and these again are accusations but the way they they sort of spoke to each other the the approach was of again um in somebody's basement just uh, they're just mates they don't have any formality and they would call each other stupid and incompetent and yeah. uh, as an executive thing you know to their employees and you look at a company like google today and you assume that they would have proper hr structures in place but they've had to develop that very quickly because they've risen so quickly yeah and you look at other companies as well, like Apple, um, the one I always bring it back to, the way that Steve Jobs used to operate was in many ways utterly shocking, um, inhumane, uh, because he'd risen so quickly and, and he didn't come from a corporate background. He came from a, we built some computers in our garage mm-hmm. background. <clears throat> I, I don't know what the answer is. You do know, you think that... Um, vaguely. I take your point, but do you think that perhaps this uh, Me Too movement is going to help unravel a bit of the HR cover-ups of some of the companies that are basically hierarchical and money-driven enough to hide these sorts of things? Because we all kind of semi-delighted in the downfall of Travis Kalanick. Yeah. But that was a company that rose debatably even quicker than Google in a very short space of time and had absolutely no structure with which to hide those accusations, even though it was a rich company. Whereas Google is 20 years old, and if you've got enough... if you've they've got enough history of that sort of thing to bury bury it is this all going to come to the surface because of this or is it easier to hide it because it's a bigger company we're seeing it happen here in 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 england this week i mean um the uh philip green story that that came out this week um, could have happened sh- to a nicer bloke no it showed that that, that there is an impact here and that that, that uh, things are happening and these accusations are starting to come out now um and even though in this country he had uh, injunctions and non-disclosure agreements and all the rich and powerful tools at his yep. disposal, he still lost out eventually because of some weird parliamentary rule. Oh, that's great. Um, where someone was able to basically um, uh, bring his name um, to the fore uh, without any consequences. So I think that's a great that's a great thing. Oh, it's brilliant. It's sometimes a great thing. It, the specific use in this case is, is sort of... Because it is an ongoing case, it may prejudice the case. Okay. The the usual use of parliamentary privilege, if I'm using the right 
for, yeah, yeah. is to wait until the case is over. And if there is an ongoing injunction, then they just go, well, by the way, this is who he was. Okay, take your point that he it might negatively affect... Problems with the yeah. But, yeah, but the court's, the court's uh, decision to grant an injunction saying that it's not in the public interest is farcical. That, that does seem odd, yeah. That does seem odd. There is something specific to tech, I think, um, that we've seen in, in recent years, this sort of Superman, Ayn Rand sort of uh, mentality mm-hmm. that, that the people at the top can do whatever they like. This, this sort of disruption uh, philosophy that it doesn't matter what happens to everybody else, that other people aren't as important as you, that I'm hoping may be to some extent punctured by by this case and by uh, the Me Too movement in general. That, I, th- I think that it'd be privileged white men can't do whatever they like. Yeah, I think it'd be difficult to, to drastically change that culture without actually making that culture more diverse and, and tech is still a hugely male-dominated industry. Um, I think what is happening is that... Uh, people are having to sort of rein in uh, their behavior now because they see that there are consequences and for the last 20 30 40 years there have been very few consequences for people in power that's exactly the issue here isn't it yeah the yeah consequences do you think all right last question scott mm. do you think this will damage google in any um, material sense uh yeah i think this will have this will have a huge ripple effect for google um mm. i think they're gonna have to reckon with this um pretty publicly uh financially maybe not um <clears throat> but we've we've been talking about google quite a lot recently and they've, they've been having a lot of leaks and they've been having a lot of problems um and it's it's like the facebook thing it, it really is a snowball effect and mm. it when you're dealing with scandal after scandal problem after problem that has to affect your company because you can't be doing what you're best at doing if you're constantly dealing with process and scandals and pr disasters uh, so yeah. I, I definitely think it will have an impact. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, what actually, you know, comes of this article and, and whether Andy Rubin um, wins his his custody battle and whether he, it comes out that, um, that there's maybe some exaggeration there, like he said. Um, but the fact that it's out there now um, is, is hugely damaging to the company and the people involved. Agreed. Uh, OK, let's uh, take a short break. And after that, we'll talk about uh, some phones. Henry Burrell, uh, yesterday you emerged uh, blinking into the sunlight from <laughs> Apple's cave of one. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What treasures did they give you? Uh, I got one of six new colorful wonders. <laughs> Actually, I got I got, I got, the, the, I got, I got the least colorful version, um, <laughs> the, the black iPhone XR. Mm. So did they um, do a specific 10R event? No. So no. Apple, uh, back in September, did their normal iPhone event where they announced the iPhone XS, uh, which David here reviewed, the XS Max, and also the 10R. Yeah. 10R was slightly late to production. Of course. Uh, we sort of always sort of think, oh, they didn't get it ready in time or whatever, but it's probably quite a clever marketing ploy to release the more affordable, um, but not necessarily affordable, iPhone uh, a couple of months, or no, one month afterwards. So it's yeah. out today as we record on the 26th of October. Um, there wasn't an event. I just had a briefing with Apple yesterday where they took us through what's new about it, why they did some of the things that they did, um, and then we were cagey with the questions that I asked them, obviously. <laughs> this is the first um, official briefing I think you've had with Apple. Yep. And I, Pop I've, my I've, Apple cherry. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've spoken to them a, a few times, not a lot. Um, how did you find them? As, as a sort of as a PR um, operation yeah as a side point um, pleasant but it's always sort of built up as though they're quite secretive and they're sort of maybe quite controlling um, it's not um, the only company that makes you come in but it's one of the only companies that sort of asks that journalists come in and they get a little product demo and that sometimes stuff is just sent to us in the post but it's, it's kind anything. of it's the kind of whole experience of it <clears throat> um, it was just me and a couple of other journalists they had the f- six phones laid out there's a bloke from the retail store there's a bloke who was also taking us through the product. Um, so it's quite stage managed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all pretty slick. Um, but the phone itself, um, I'm still not sure how to feel about it. I've only been using it for half a day. But um, so just for, for the listener, iPhone XS starts at £1,000 or dollars. The iPhone XR starts at £750 or dollars uh, for a 64 gigabyte phone. Uh, pretty clever in making a <laughs> iPhone look cheaper, but it it's whether people think it's cheap. So yeah. I would look back to the iPhone 7 from only two years ago, which was the flagship when it was released, and the cheapest one was £599. So you're paying, yeah, £150 extra. You can still buy the 8 and the 7 today, um, but this is the 751, and I mean, it's going to sell so many phones. It's got the same design as the iPhone 10, the same notch design. Um, it's got the same processor. It's got kind of... Not the same camera. It's got one camera. Yeah. So that's that's the main difference for people if you want to look into photography. But it can so, still do portrait mode, just not quite as well. It can only do portrait mode on people. So the iPhone XS, as we were told yesterday after I inquired, <laughs> uh, has two cameras. And the second camera is for telephoto and also for creating like an SLR blur type effect. And that also means that it's mainly using hardware to discern the subject of what you're pointing your phone at. Not all phones are great at doing this because they're kind of having to do some trickery to work out what it is. Normally, people take portraits of people. Um, but the iPhone XS can do it of, you know, buildings or cans of Coke or your dog or whatever. Uh, the iPhone XR can't do that. If you open the camera app and 
put it on portrait mode and pointed at something, it even comes up saying no person detected. And it will only be able to work it out as um, a person because it's using computational uh, processing to do it. So it's using software rather than hardware. It's what Google's got really good at on the Pixel phones, which only have one lens. Um, but Google was kind of winning the race here. It's very good. And it has been good at doing that for three years now. This is Apple's first time doing it. So the 10R's got one wide angle lens on it. And basically Apple has, it looks pretty good. I can show you later, but it's only worked out how to do it on people so far. It's odd that they would make it so specific though. So they, they've, they've sort of chosen to exclude they things, things chosen like to dogs, only, for example, yeah. pet, pet pictures. And in the briefing when I was like, I sort of, you sort of, he can, the guy who was, was pretty good, he was honest enough to say, yeah, if you want to take stuff of your dog or whatever, there's the 10s you can buy. <laughs> <laughs> and he said that on more than yeah. one occasion. So, like, for instance, I mean, we're getting in the weeds a little bit and I can be move fair, on. If you buy a 10s, you can't afford a dog. You've got to choose one, 10R and a pet. It or... can only do three. There's, there's like six kinds of um, portrait lighting that the 10 and the 10s can do. Um, the 10R can only do three of them because the others need the second camera. Yeah. But for most people... I don't like is... portrait lighting, though. No, it doesn't look very good. <laughs> Isn't it just the display different as well on the 10R? Yes, so the 10R uh, has a LCD display, not an OLED display. Yeah. So the, the iPhone 10 from last year was the first iPhone with an OLED screen. It, In my opinion, personal opinion, looks amazing. It's one of the best calibrated OLEDs on the market. It's like genuinely very good, and that is where Apple talks a big game, but it, it has a right to. How do they market this one? They call it something ridiculous. They call it liquid retina. There you go. <laughs> so the screen, that the people. That's Alan Partridge, yes, isn't people, it? No, liquid it's called that retina. is liquid retina. <laughs> <laughs> so retina is a marketing term used since the iPhone four, I think. Yeah. To say that it's Apple, it's a marketing term. It's not a technological term. It just means that your eye can't discern a pixel unless you put your face right next to it. Fine. Uh, the so yeah, you got uh, liquid retina, which is just a reference to the liquid part of LCD. And it's not 1080p, which is kind of the baseline that people expect in phones these days. I say people, I mean nerds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Expect me, uh, expect like to be a 1080 um, HD panel. The 10R isn't, it's 720. But to be honest, not many people are going to notice that. Um, and sitting on a shelf, it's going to look quite attractive because it's larger than the iPhone 10s as well. But that's kind of, again, they're kind of spinning the reason why it's larger. So it, it sort of looks attractively larger. Um, 6.1 inch display rather than 5.8 on the 10s. But the yeah. reason is, if you look it's at got the a border, hasn't it? Yeah, it's got a bit more of a border. So the notch always intrudes anyway. But then the actual bezel around the outside is larger, and that's because let me let me tell you that an LCD needs a backlight, whereas OLEDs do not. Interesting. So for, in order for Apple to keep the aesthetic which they like, which is not having a big chin at the bottom of the phone. You can see down there where you swipe yeah. up from. doesn't yeah. have a chin. Lots of Android phones opt to have small notches, but then big chins because they need to put the some sort of component, sometimes an LCD backlight in there. Um, Apple has opted to make basically the screen a bit bigger so that it can then put a larger border on it to fit in a backlight. Um, and they told us that they've had to precision cut the screens into this shape, which takes a little bit more manufacturing, which is why I reckon they have taken 3D touch out of the iPhone XR which is a feature that was on uh, every iPhone, um, even the LCD one, since the iPhone 6S, where you could long press an icon and get like a sub-menu. So hard press. Uh, now you can't do that. You yeah. just bring up the delete thing. So they have it taken is, that away. But it is odd the way that 3D touch has gone, because basically nobody uses it. 
I, I mean, I don't. I actually either. have realised in the past, in the past day, how much I use it. Really? I used to use it for shortcuts. I used to use it to preview emails in mail so that they weren't read. I used to use hard press to open links in Twitter and stuff like that. Do you find that in a lot of cases you can, as you said, you can you can long press on non three D touch screens and it does it does some of the same things but not all sometimes yeah they, the example they used in the briefing when i asked them why um they didn't say it was a cost saving measure even though i reckon it is they were just saying that they don't think but he kind of almost said not the words but people don't use it and also that they haven't found a problem with people's workflow on ipad by not having it because ipads don't have 3d touch no, so and they'll, they'll know that they'll 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 have yeah. they'll have data that that shows that not a lot of people <clears> are using it but what you basically this is still a good proposition because we always talk about RRPs, right? But people still went out and bought iPhone 10s on contracts. And people, if they want to afford an iPhone in the West, at least, then they will and they can. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see if the 10 is any cheaper on contract. But on a shelf, you'll be saving either £250 or maybe 20, 30 quid a month. Maybe not that much. And you're getting a phone with a bigger screen. It's got the same processor. The battery life is already, I can tell, is great because you're um, it's powering an LCD, which takes less battery than an OLED. OLED I thought it the other way around. No, OLED there are will... downsides of OLED. Um, have you have you had? Because I know you had the iPhone 10 for a while, yes. which is also OLED, yeah, and therefore very good. Um, but a lot of people said it gave them headaches. Uh, and oh, really? Issues with <laughs> there was one worry about burning, um, which I've not. I've like, I've got the iPhone. Yeah, OLEDs 10S. can technically burn in if you have a pattern on the screen. A lot of the time, the Pixel 2 XL from last year suffered from it. Um, it's basically if you haven't calibrated it very well and the quality of the panel. Yeah. If you like the Android nav buttons would burn into the screen, so if you had an all white screen, you could see where the buttons were. Oh, like a like that, a like a ghosting yeah. image. Yeah, it, you might see it in an OLED phone, but you might, probably have to own it for three or four years, and you might not even notice. The only thing you really lose on the 10R is the camera and the OLED screen. It's quite a heavy phone. Yeah, it's a weighty noticed. one. Yeah, um, um, and it's, it's and it's top heavy, isn't it? It is. A little, it is a little bit. Um, comes in six colors though. Scott, you've pre-ordered one. Yeah, so yeah, I, I've, I've really, I, yeah, you we have kept talked. That under your hat? We have talked yeah. on this bloody podcast for over a year about how Scott Carey needs a new phone. And I'm, I'm getting a tan. I'm on. grinning. I'm gleaming. <laughs> which, I, should... Did you say which color? Which color again? White. White. Of course, you're. Because so, I'm a flash. Punk. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I wasn't convinced about the white one, and we we saw it yesterday. It's actually really nice. Yeah, it looks a bit like an old iPod. It's quite cool. Yeah, I quite like and, that. Um, I mean, so you got yeah, black, which um, I have here, and the white. There's a product red one. Yeah. which Apple's making available from day one. They used to release it mid-cycle, mm-hmm. but it's here now. And then Coral, which is quite nice, kind of like orangey Coral. peach. The blue one, which I'm not too keen on, even though I do like blue stuff. Yeah. And there's a yellow as well. I think the blue always looks a bit cheap. Yeah, it's kind of like Victoria line yellow. Yeah. It needs to be more Piccadilly. Um, <laughs> I say yellow, I meant blue, sorry. Yeah. Too many colours. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Hook, Line and Sinker, I committed uh, earlier this week. Um, it's... I, it's either arriving today or on Monday, mm. um, depending on availability. And I got—I I think I got a cracking deal. It's, cl- <laughs> it's clever. It's clever from Apple. Like, Alan they, they're going to sell a lot of them on the shelf. Like you, the money saved, you only lose the camera and the, the, the quality of the screen, basically. Yeah. Which for most people, they, you won't notice. Um, if it really, really bothers you that you're not going to get the deepest blacks on your screen, 
um, then you're going to pay a bit more for the iPhone XS. Yeah, at the end of the day, if I was going to get the XS, I was going to be paying more than £70 a month on my contract. <sighs> and I'm now paying £38 a month on my contract nice. um, for the XS. With a little upfront payment. But... Yeah, I paid I paid a couple of hundred up front. That, that is the clever thing. But it's that con- you're comparing it to the XS. The XS is stupid expensive. Yeah. Like the sheer balls of marketing something that costs £750 as a budget phone. No, is... no. And this, this is, this is the no thing. It's astounding. Really. For someone that wants an Apple phone. Yeah, there's the iPhone 8. Uh, iPhone, yeah, the iPhone 8 is still on sale. The iPhone 7, 6S has just gone, hasn't it? I looked at the 8, it's about the same price. Some contracts, yeah. Get 7. No, I'm not getting a 7. 7 will be fine. Sorry. (laughs) 7 is 2 years old. So I was going to ask you, Henry, if if you were presented with a sort of non-tech savvy grandma or whatever. Yeah. uh, So in this case, basically Scott. um, (laughs) Would you recommend the iPhone 10R or would you, you, Uh, as I'm It's always difficult recommending iPhones because... If we do look at the RRP, as we sometimes do, and it's sometimes not the best way to look at things, if you were just doing it on RRP, you would say, should I get an iPhone XR or should I get a Samsung Galaxy S9, which you can get on Amazon now for like 500 quid? Um, yeah, you could save another £250 and get the Samsung phone, but people want an iPhone. Um, you don't get iOS on a Samsung phone. Um, and it is quite a clever way of Apple doing it. Last year, releasing the iPhone 8 at the same time as the 10 was a little bit, we were like, oh, what, what have they done that for? Because the 10 is obviously better. And lots of people did go out and buy the 10. And now they've got a staggered line where the iPhone 10R looks cheap or cheaper. And then they go, well, what's the other cheap option? And then you look at the iPhone 8 and people just go, oh, that looks like the old one. Yeah. The thing about the 10R is it, it, it in no way feels or looks cheap. No, it feels it's not like a very it's premium a, product. It is a premium product, yeah. yeah. Um, Which it should be at £750. Yeah. This is what Neil Bennett was talking about, our colleague Neil, uh, about anchor pricing and the psychology of it mm. and the way that they've shifted the whole thing in the space of 12 months yeah. of what, what is a reasonable price yeah, to pay for 100%. a phone. It's, it's sort of astounding. Because 750 is obviously, we've got to remember, that only the, the, the base model. 64 gigabytes, however, is enough for most people. Yeah. But then you can pay up to £900 for an iPhone XR for 256 gig, which some people will do. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to need that. No, it, no it, one needs a, that. Another interesting shift is that, the, is that the entry-level model in the iPhone and iPad lines have become recommendable now. Because mm. you've got to the point where 64 gig is fine. Uh, I think that'll be absolutely fine. So we're at the point now, it's crazy, where the only, re- the only discernible reason we would ever recommend someone now buying the iPhone XS or XS Max. XS Max is if you want an even bigger screen than the XR. If you really care about the pixels on the phone and you want an HD screen, so we're talking about and if you want the second camera, yeah. Otherwise, it runs the same software. It's got the same processor. The camera it is pretty good for most people. I mean, it's still a very good. It's definitely better than the iPhone eight single lens camera. Do you think Apple has risked? Or if um, you want a yellow phone, <laughs> yeah, who? Oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, but do you think Apple have made the line too confusing? Because remember there was that thing a long time ago where it was all about just iPhone, iPad, Mac, MacBook. They always Maybe. try to keep it super simple. The names, now there's like five different screen sizes. I would argue that the names are confusing, but the choices people make, it won't be that confusing. Have you noticed that I say 10 now? I haven't. <laughs> he won over. Once he's committed money to it, yeah. then, then he takes the trouble I stopped to mugging off Apple by saying XR. In a nice little interview with a... I think it was in Gadget this week, Phil Schiller was asked, what's the R stand for? And he was just like, I love sports cars. So <laughs> R is just because it sounds like a car, so which was the most white man rich oh, thing he could so have ever ridiculous. said. But it apparently stands for nothing. It's just because they have S and now they have R and it sounds like a car. <laughs> That's really annoying. An expensive car. Do you think it might be because 10, 10R and 10S sound like words? Like, 
Like no, he said it's because it sounds like sports cars. <laughs> no, but that's what he says. But there must have been a rationale that the company... Well, like Tenor and Tennis. Exactly. They think there's any... Because I think the best ever brand was the Nintendo Wii. And I think the fact that it sounds like, you know, urination uh, was part of the thinking. I genuinely think that. Because yeah. it made it memorable. Wii. I thought it was because it was like the II was two controllers. And it's everything. It's, it's oh, Wii, that, play oh, it. Don't get me started on the brand name <laughs> Wii. It's so good. It's Wii as in I and you and Wii. But Wii It's Wii also sucks. the two little things. Wii U makes no sense, uh, but Wii is such a good brand. It's so short. You don't need a Nintendo to know to recognise it. It's got its own spelling. The spelling is meaningful because there's two eyes. It's me and you. It's Wii together. Oh, it's such a good brand. It's a shame it was such a bad console. The Wii? Scott Carey. This is, a, this is another episode. I think we're going to have to stop the uh, podcast here before I brain Scott Carey with his but notes. Yeah, iPhone XR, phone. good phone, still expensive. Cool. Uh, so I didn't do a question on the first round because it was inappropriate. You don't need to ask questions. You don't need to ask questions about that. But I can do a question now. Uh, let me a tenner, or uh, what's the other one though? Anyone for tennis? What? As in, you what? prefer the other one? <laughs> All right. Basically, the question is: Do you like the ten R or not? We know the answer because I've just committed money. So you, your question. Uh, all right. And I don't know yet. I've only had it for one day. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Yes. I'm in. No worries. Just got to get the info uh, out there. <laughs> okay. Uh, Thanks for listening. Henry's going to go and <laughs> Henry, Henry go and write his review. He will be reviewing it. So. Yeah, we're reviewing it. We've got a, a nice little unboxing on the channel. If you want to go check out the Tech Advisor YouTube channel. And yeah. I'll be um, yeah doing a, a video review too. Lovely so, yeah, stuff. Keep, keep refreshing Tech Advisor for the next. <laughs> Please do. Open it on all your tabs. Get those views rolling in. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for talking to me, Henry and Scott. No problem, Cheers. David. Uh, we'll be back hopefully next week with more uh, tech chat and until then say goodbye guys bye guys UK Tech Weekly Podcast Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby It's me Kiki Palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. Hello Fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.